Your next promotion is within your control, and this podcast shows you how to get there. Welcome to episode number 134. I am so excited about today's episode, as you will hear right off the bat in the interview I'm doing today. I have special guest Karen Laus as we celebrate the publishing of her newest book, Trust Your Own Voice, Growing Your Influence Through Confident Communication. Karen is a communication badass. And in today's interview, she's going to be sharing with you how to speak confidently from the stage or the boardroom, how to get back on track when you find yourself rambling, and why you need to stop taking feedback on your communication personally. And this is an action-packed and also incredibly fun episode. So let's get started. Welcome to Maximize Your Career with Stacey Mayer, a podcast about achieving your career goals while also being yourself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Career. I'm your host, Stacey Mayer, and I am super excited to be here with you again this week because I have a very special guest who is actually, I think she's like right down the street from me here in Berkeley slash Oakland, California. And we didn't really know that when we first met on LinkedIn, you know, you can meet somebody on LinkedIn, they can be all the way on the other side of the world, but yet it feels like they're right next door. And then the next thing I knew, she posted something and she really actually was right next door. And I was like, what? What's going on? We should meet up. We should hang out. But I love that because you get kindred spirits with very, very similar missions, meeting up in person, really like changing the world with our thought leadership. And I was like, Karen, you have to be on my podcast. She was like, Stacy, you have to be on my podcast. And that's what we're doing. And so I will link to my interview with Karen in the show notes after we do this interview. But for now, let's get started. Karen, thank you so much for being here. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you reached out to have lunch. I said, oh my gosh, how fun is that? I get to meet Stacy. I love it. It was so great. We have like, yeah, you're going to love this episode because we have such similar missions, wanting to give a voice to women in the corporate world. And we also just both wrote books and we're going to talk about all of those great things today. Let me give you her formal bio and then we'll dive right in. Karen Laus is a former corporate leader turned professional speaker specializing in communication who's on a mission to reach 10 million women to overcome self-doubt and speak with confidence. Yes! (laughs) Over the course of her 20-year career, she has helped corporate badasses at companies like NASA, Facebook, Google, Netflix, Sephora, AT&T, Levi's, and United Healthcare. And she is the best-selling author of Trust Your Own Voice, Growing Your Influence Through Confident Communication. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I am. I love that we are doing this because of exactly what you said earlier, just about the fact that our missions are so aligned. And I am so into helping women step into their confidence and be those badasses because for too many years I wasn't and yes. I held myself back. So I don't want anybody else to help hold themselves back. 
Exactly. Oh, it's so good. And her book is just action packed with like, it's, it's like, do this, do this, do this. Like It's like all of these great resources say this. Absolutely. Get your hands on that as well. It's so, so good. Speaking of trusting your own voice, can you tell us some of your secrets to success? Yes. I would say the number one is to ask. And I vividly remember when I was a little girl around six years old, my dad taught me how to negotiate at flea markets. And he said never to pay full price. And that really was the launching point for me also with his modeling of incredible persistence and determination. He had no fear asking for things. And I'm grateful there were other qualities that I'm, I didn't love (laughs) in our relationship. And that's more in my book, but That was really powerful because I always believed that I deserved whatever I wanted to ask for. And that was a very helpful tool. So I would say not being afraid to ask and ask creatively sometimes. So when I think about the creatively piece, something like recently I was pitched to be part of some academy. And I thought, well, I don't want to be part of the academy. What I want is to partner with the woman leading the academy and my services to her because it would be a win-win. I would help her people become better speakers. And I did. So I'm a jury still out on that one, but it felt really good because I know that I can offer value. And I do think that a lot of times we as women hold back because we have that doubt. And believe me, I have had plenty of doubt in other areas, but that is one thing the asking piece was very something that I learned at an early age that I have found to be extremely helpful. You know, this is really interesting because what you're talking about is this notion of deserving and you feel like you deserve it and no question, right? I'm going to just ask for it. I'm never going to take full price, but there's this you use the word deserving. And that's that I want to unpack that for a minute because when you explained your father's advice, he did not say you deserve it. He actually just gave you a rule, right? Like he was like, just don't take full price. It wasn't like, it wasn't about deserving. It wasn't about your worth. It wasn't about value. It, it wasn't even a knowing that you're going to provide value. It was like literally just a rule. And I, I firmly, firmly believe that these rules actually create confidence in us. If we act on that rule that he suggested, then you start to understand your own value. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because I, I'm sure that one led to the other. And how do you make that connection? Yeah. And I, I will say it is convoluted because this is where the mixed messages from my childhood and probably like a lot of people listening to this have had to give a little background on that, where my dad taught me that. But at the same time, I learned from my the modeling of my parents that you listen to an authority figure who's usually the man because my mom totally submitted to dad at home. And that was confusing to me because she was also a powerhouse leader in the community. Mm. So it's I love that you said that about the the deserving. Like you're right. It it was a rule. My dad was not into, oh, you deserve this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was of that, right? Yeah, he, he was, was like, just a- ask. Like, this is the rule, right? You know? <laughs> he was he was not a warm, nurturing person. <laughs> but what I feel like where some of the darker shadow sides of me, I guess if you want to put it that way, or are the parts about where my mom really submitted to the point where it felt like, oh, 
what I learned is, hmm, you don't speak up unless you have something to offer that's valuable. Yeah. And so I'm I'm struggling with you asking me to unpack that about the dessert. <laughs> I, I in, mean, real, I, in real time. Let's I do know. it. Let's have our session right now, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm thinking, what is that about? Because here's the other thing. Can I, can I share a quick story? Yeah. Somewhere else? I okay. love it. So on one hand, I'm saying, oh, I'm really comfortable asking directly. Just ask, ask, ask. But you got to know what you want before you ask. I want to share a story where I missed an opportunity. And I believe that the root cause of this was that my boss at the time was very much like my dad in that you, from the perspective of he was hard to read and there were mixed messages sometimes. So I would be intimidated by him. So at times Mm -hmm. I was intimidated by this boss. And I remember her vividly when I was in this corporate role, I had been at this company for many years, we were forming a new leadership team, but more specifically an organized leadership team where we were going to help really intentionally move the company forward. And she asked me to be a part of it. And I was thrilled. And I said, yes, of course. And then I said, this was my passive ask. I said, well, you know, I I really am looking forward to this. And I noticed, you know, everybody else that's in it is a director or above. And I'm a senior manager. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to figure that out at some point. And then a few months later, I was thinking, so, okay, what, whatever happened with that? We are, I was on the leadership team at that point and then asked the COO about it. And he gave me a roundabout answer, which was completely something I wish that I had pushed and I didn't. A year later, I'm at my annual review, fully expecting a promotion. At the end, she could sense. We had a good relationship as much as there were times I felt intimidated. We, we had a good relationship. I said to her, she goes, well, she said, I can tell something's off. And I said, I really thought I was getting a promotion. You know, we, and she goes, what? She didn't even remember that conversation. But my mistake was, and we both chuckled about it. I said, you know what I would have done differently is I would have said, I want to be a director. What mm. is it going to take for me to get there? Yes, and yes, yes. And she immediately said, yes, that is what you should have said. And let's start that conversation now. But I lost eight months. Right. And it, it ended yeah. up working out in the end. But it, it, and I ended up leaving during the pandemic a few years later. And I ended up creating my own job that was an even better fit. Point being, I missed an opportunity. And so I'm not really sure what to make of that related to my upbringing and, and the mixed messages related well, to observing. But yeah, what, what it kind of reminds me of is we'll be told no. Our bosses, you know, the people at our organization are going to tell us, no, you can't have that title. No, you can't have that salary. Like all of those things are going to happen. But if you just start from the place of having intrinsic value, like you just are valuable, right? And this is why I tell the women that I work with, they are a corporate badass. Like at the point that they join executive ahead of time, they're a corporate badass. They're a corporate badass because they see what they're doing. They want to do more. All of those things qualify them as a corporate badass. And what they're going to do is sort of ask and never pay full price, ask, and then go from there. The other person is going to tell us whatever the heck they want to tell us. And I think in your story is that because you didn't ask, like essentially you didn't ask when you ask right. passively, it's all, it's like the same as not asking, is you ask passively. And so then she couldn't help you. 
right? Like it's like right. you you didn't have right. anything to bounce off of until eight months later when you actually did do the ask, which is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that I did. It's better mm-hmm. what I say, better, better late than never. And at the same time, it's of course you always look back and go, wow, what could I have done differently? You said you always look back and a lot of people don't, right? Like, you know, so <laughs> you and I do, yes. but that's also yes. what learning, right? How do we learn yeah. and, and grow? And actually that kind of reminds me of public speaking. Let's talk a little bit about how do we speak confidently from the stage or in the boardroom or wherever we're giving some sort of presentation because it feels to me like an all or nothing, right? We could actually die. <laughs> Like it feels like we either screw it up or we don't. Whereas this idea of negotiating and asking kind of feels like a fluid ongoing conversation. You can go back and you can say, Hey, what about that position? Right. Kind of when you give a talk, that's a one shot deal. So how do you deal with that? (laughs) That sounds like a lot of pressure, Stacey. Right. Well, the first thing I want to say, I find fascinating because we talk about public speaking a lot. And if you really think about it, is there such a thing as private speaking? And unless you're talking to yourself in the shower or in the car, we are always speaking to an audience. Oh my gosh. So so good. If we can shift our mindset that every time we open up our mouths, we have an opportunity to influence and make an impact that makes this whole concept of public speaking, such as on a stage. And I get that there are obviously more formal situations where we're speaking, But when we can integrate ourselves into everything, like just the way that we speak comes out as powerful, credible, and likable, even when we're sitting in a living room talking to somebody or on an elevator or in an interview like this or conversation like this, you know, it's not a formal interview. It's just a conversation. And yet I've also seen so many women misrepresenting themselves because they end up speaking tentatively and I've got ums and ahs and oh, and mm-hmm. speak a little quieter. A lot of times we just don't realize how we're coming across. So that's why also video feedback is so important because we have to know how our voice does sound. And I hear so many people will say, well, I'm willing to record myself, but I'm not going to watch it. And I think, <laughs> why would you even bother? You got to watch it. You got to listen back so you can hear the objective reality of how you actually are coming across. And then you can do something about it. And what I find fascinating is that most of the time, people are better than they think they are, mm-hmm. probably because they spend so much time catastrophizing how bad it's going to be. And then they mm-hmm. go, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I love that. I love the idea of normalizing speaking because if we're speaking to another human being, it's public. I'm just like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Because I think that that's where a lot of the pain and suffering comes from is the fact that we don't get to practice it, right? So it's like, we get that one big presentation or talk and we didn't, but what you're saying is no, we get to practice it every single day with every conversation, with every negotiation, with every person that we want to share our ideas with. We're always influencing behavior. Yes. And, and then that's going to lead to more confidence once you do have the talk or you do have the presentation in front of other people. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too, I love what Keith Bailey, he wrote Customer Service for Dummies and one of the contributing authors. And he talks about moments of truth. 
every interaction we have with someone is a, a moment of truth that adds up to a greater experience. And if we think about it, what experience are we creating for people? You, you hear a lot, of course, about the first impression, and that's important. And also to consider every time I open up my mouth, that's a moment of truth in which I'm creating an experience. People are making a judgment, whether it's good or bad. You know, we don't know. We can't be attached to that outcome. But that's why I always recommend to people, hey, you've got to look at that. You can't look at this as, oh, I did this coaching with Karen and I'm going to put that binder on a shelf now until I have a speaking engagement. No, you got, but here's the problem. Most of us aren't intentional enough about our growth and it takes work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times if we, if there isn't, it's like any of us. I mean, if we don't have a compelling reason to do something, it's the same with whether it's you're trying to be healthier or work out more, whatever. If we don't have a compelling why, it's probably not going to happen. And I like to be really honest with people about that and say, look, if you're going to invest in this, you, you got to be willing to do what it takes every day to integrate this into your day-to-day life. I think that today's theme from our conversation is about conflating values with the practical. Even in just that advice that you just gave, the reason that we don't attack personal growth in the way that we maybe would wish that we were is because we're making it personal. And it sounds like when you're talking or you're giving feedback to somebody about their video, their presentation, you're just actually saying, you know, maybe sit up a little bit straighter or like lower your voice or, you know, you're coming across as this, whatever that might be. It's so not personal. It's a technical right. skill, right? Absolutely. It has nothing to do with your value as a human being. Absolutely. And when we can approach yes. growth from that way, then we're like, oh, of course, you're not overweight because you're a bad person. You just ate a bunch of cookies, right? Like, it's like you know, it's just like, whatever, right? We just... <laughs> I love I love how fact-based that is. I mean, it's so true. It's so true. And and yet, because we live with ourselves, it's hard to right. not take it personally. And yet, that's what's so great about the objective reality of whether it's video feedback, audio feedback, or another person giving us feedback. Yeah. But too often, yeah, yeah we internalize it. Oh, I'm all bad. I've uh, all these things that we do that we make up. We make up these stories about ourselves. I'm not meant to be an executive leader. No, you just like your public speaking skills could use some polishing. (laughs) So good. Stacey, I remember when I totally bombed a presentation, but I didn't know that I bombed it. That was a very confusing experience. It was early Uh in my career. Oh, cool. Yeah, I want to hear this. Yeah, new corporate trainer for The Gap, Inc. So I was at a big corporate event, asked to speak in front of all of the executives. (laughs) I thought I did pretty well. And then when I sat down, it was so funny because the woman in charge was not really good at being direct. You know, when you you understand a formula, you go, oh, I'm supposed to ask a person, how do you think you did? Uh-huh. But you really want to say that sucked and we need uh-huh. to talk about why. And she looked at me with that this face, like, how do you think you did? Like, it was clear on her face that she was not pleased. And I just said, oh, I thought I did pretty well. Well, then find out later. Unfortunately, she didn't give me the feedback directly. That was a a very bad experience hearing it through my boss. And I didn't get specifics. So that was really hard for me. But I was devastated. I was also much younger. And I weighed a lot of the dependence. Well, my value Mm -hmm. 
to me felt like, like, well, obviously I didn't give value. And so I took that personally. That's mm-hmm. what I can say. Yeah. Really tough to recover from that. And you know, it was my boss the next day when she told me she, and I said, you know, I think I'm not even going to do corporate training anymore. I mean, I had just gotten into it, just got my feet wet, just started this job. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, look, are you going to let one experience completely shift your decision about your career because yeah. you feel good enough? Her point was get on your big girl panties and work on the next training. Yes. And you need to work on it because you, you need to be doing this closer to the script. You know what? She gave me a little more tangible things, but then I was almost so overprepared that it was a really, really good lesson. Cause I'm more of a wing it kind of person. So mm-hmm. I just figured I could wing it and it wouldn't be a big deal, mm-hmm. but it really worked out. Oh, that's amazing. I love that story because it also reminds me of the power of coaching because we can't really, I mean, you could look at that story and be like heartbroken for little Karen, who's like, you know, her boss didn't tell her, or they didn't tell her exactly what she did wrong. But truthfully, you know, at work, our bosses have a job, right? Their job is not to make us better public speakers, but Karen Louse's job is make you a better public speaker, right? And so this speaks to the power of coaching and education and getting support and kind of realizing where the gaps might be for you. So if you're finding yourself not wanting to raise your hand for higher positions, not wanting to step up because you know that part of the job is going to involve speaking in front of executives and giving either presentations formally or informally, whatever that might be, there is that level of intimidation. It's like, for all means, like we need you at the leadership table, get support, figure out what you need to do just to give those talks and things, because it's more important to me that you get the promotion than it is for you to be like, well, I can wing it or just see, or I'm not going to raise my hand, you know? Yes. Oh, and I have a very specific example, another really young age situation, early twenties, I was in a performing group for four years and I traveled around the world And during the staging process, I didn't get any of the solo parts with the singing or the dancing. And I was okay with that, but a little disappointed. And I say that because the director was fumbling through his notes and he said, oh, I forgot to assign the speaking part. Who wants to do the speaking part? And I wanted to raise my hand, but I didn't. Mm. And the girl next to me got that part. Every show we did, I almost 52 shows in the year. She got it every year. And every every once in a while, I would watch her doing it and thinking that could have been me. Yeah. I hesitated. I hesitated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it reminds me of Mel Robbins' five-second rule that you've really got five seconds before <laughs> you go the other way or you, you don't do the thing that you immediately feel in your gut to do. Yeah. I think these rules combined with our own interpersonal brilliance is literally like the key to the influence that we want to have at the top or success or whatever that is. Because there are these things that we can do to help us be more successful, like never pay full price. It is something, it is a literally a rule for making more money. 
or for having more money, right? Is that yeah. don't play full price. Of course, you're going to have more money if you don't pay full price. Right? <laughs> like it, it just works, right? Like do the math. And so there are certain things that you can do. And actually, that's a great segue into anything that you can offer us from your book or stuff that work that you do with clients in terms of certain things that you can do to set yourself up to be successful um, yeah. for any sort of presentation. Sure. Well, first, I want to share a missed opportunity of one of my clients that was a very powerful example. Uh, she came to her boss, hired me, large, large company that everyone would know, but I'm going to keep that confidential. I was hired for this woman who was a senior director, engineer, been at the company for 20 plus years. Her boss was female, for whether that's relevant or not, but really supportive boss. She said, I want to help her move into a different department. Well, we worked on her speaking skills. She definitely got better there. But about three weeks into coaching her, I got a call from her boss and she said, here's the problem, but you probably don't know this. Number one, I went, no, well, she went and talked to this person who could have promoted her. And so that's when she said, number one, there's two things. One, she doesn't turn her camera on during meetings. So... (laughs) The other boss said, well, I have no way to really assess even how she comes across. And secondly, she doesn't contribute at meetings. So I can't see her. I can't hear her. How could I possibly even consider hiring her? And what was interesting is when I talked to my client confidentially, she said, okay, do you mean to tell me? She goes, because here's the thing. People speak up and they get into this banter and everybody's just vying for position. I don't want to be that person. Do you mean to tell me that I need to just make something up? <laughs> I said, well, probably, or you speak first. You always speak first. There's so many opportunities when we're on a call or in an in-person meeting where someone says, okay, what thoughts do, do people have? Let's throw it out to the room. Be the person to speak first. Then you won't have to regurgitate what somebody else said, or you won't have to tag on to someone else. But I still recommended to her, you, number one, you got to put your camera on and you, you definitely need to say something so people can hear your voice, even if it is to reiterate another point. Yeah. Something that really, really struck me as a recent example. And I thought, wow, I didn't know that that was happening until her boss talked to me about it. That is so good. And there are these simple things that we either are doing or not doing that are causing us to be glossed over that we're like, wait, what? That was the thing? You know, I mean, it it really reminds me of what I talk a lot about, whereas you're not going to get promoted if you don't have a successor. (laughs) People are like, are are you freaking kidding me? Right? Because And they're like, well, yeah, they're not going to promote you because they have nobody else to do your job. You know, it's like, well, I would love to give her a promotion, but we actually really don't even know what she looks like or what she cares about. It's like, you know, it can be as simple as that, turning on your camera, being engaged, speaking first. And I always offer to my clients to ask a question. If you don't want to just add to the noise, you could just ask a good question and and engage and that engages you in that conversation. I love that. And such a good example of how you can practice your quote unquote public speaking, even without public speaking. Yes. And it, it's such a wonderful moment because there usually is a few seconds of pause. Right. Somebody throws out a question, particularly on Zoom, that mm-hmm. there is ample opportunity. We just have to take it. 
And right. then I I I'm a firm believer in being specific. So thinking about two things. One, let's talk about voice for a minute. So mm-hmm. going back, thinking about tips. One of the things that I notice that happens a lot is this concept of upspeak, that slang term for when we end a statement with a question or a comma. And it usually happens in our introductions. And this is if people change this. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I just had to do it in real time. (laughs) Well, that's perfect because I want to give my example of option one and option two, because usually it happens in introductions where we don't even say our name with conviction. Option (laughs) one would be... (laughs) I'm like laughing so hard. My name is Stacey Mayer. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) On a side note, when I was acting, I would actually have to practice my introduction all the time because this is such a big deal. Yeah, I love this so much. Well, that's brilliant. So yeah, so usually it would be something like, hi, I'm Karen Laus and I'm originally from Minneapolis, but now I live in San Francisco versus, hi, I'm Karen Laus. I'm originally from Minneapolis, but now I live in San Francisco. It's so simple. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. All we have to do is speak with punctuation, just Mm -hmm. like you'd write an email. We want to be speaking like that so that we have a landing point, which is that beautiful period, the pause. And when we have that declarative tone, we come across as so much more credible and a leader. People can follow you too. Like I can't follow you when it's all run together. When there's periods, I can actually take in and digest the information, which is really what we want them to do. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. So speaking of uh, trusting your voice in terms of how do we get to the point where we trust ourselves? Where we're like, I trust my voice, done, work done, check, (laughs) official, I have graduated from the Karen Lau School of Trusting My Voice. <laughs> Boy, I wish I could tell you that. No, I'm just kidding. I wrote an entire book about it. <laughs> but I do think that we tend to underestimate the amount of time and awareness, intention, and growth that's needed mm-hmm. because it took me a while. Now, we all have the things that we have in our past that we need to unpack and discover and then move forward from. But I would say the biggest thing is simply to be aware first, where are you not trusting your voice? And the opening story of my book is where I was in a boardroom and I had been asked, it was with my peers, but we were the leaders of the company. And my boss had suggested that I present on something that I personally didn't necessarily agree with. It wasn't an ethical thing. It was just more of, that doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. But because what I learned as a kid is you follow what your boss says and you just do it without questioning it. Which one told you that, your mom or your dad? My- <laughs> <laughs> that was more my, well, neither told me. <laughs> Sorry, but it sounds like both, right? <laughs> I was going to say, that's a really powerful question because nobody told me it was the modeling. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, good. I love it's that. That's actually- modeling. So I see my interruptive question was actually good. (laughs) (laughs) It was. was. Well, the boss said my boss had to shut down the meeting because I couldn't Mm. put the words out. I really couldn't. I was tongue tied. Everybody was around me trying to support me. They all really liked me. We had great relationships, but I was so tongue tied because I had this, I didn't know it then, but I had this internal conflict of, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think this makes sense, but uh, I need to do it because of my boss. And she shuts down the meeting. She pulls me aside and she goes, this was a perfect example 
where you didn't trust your gut? What if you had just said, I don't know why we even agreed to do this in the first place. Let's table this. That would have never occurred to me because again, I learned you have to ask permission Mm -hmm. if it's your boss. And I, that was such a huge aha for me. So that was the moment where I realized no more. Right. Oh, that's so, I so good. I almost feel like either you you gradually progress to where you want to be or you have a moment like that where you go, this was awful and I yeah. never want this to happen again. And why am I doing this? So that's when I really went to town with my personal growth, with therapy, with leadership program, in all these things to help me <laughs> <laughs> do what I'm doing. Get to the bottom of it. Get to the bottom of it. It's so good. Exactly. To solve the problems. I love I it. Know, I know. Very personal. It's, it's, I think it, but I do think that outside feedback is super important. Yeah, totally. A- absolutely. It's, I mean, it's the only way we can really, really tell because we're always going to judge ourselves from either too harshly or not harshly enough, right? It's just, we need that reflection. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. everybody else is looking at us or thinking something. So yeah. we might as well hear it. Why do you personally feel motivated to have that voice at the table? Why does it matter? Oh, gosh. Well, because personally, I'm on a mission. To me, I'm on a mission to reach 10 million women. You mentioned this earlier to overcome self-doubt and speak with confidence. So my, I feel like this is so much bigger than myself. And that's why I ended up quitting my job because I thought my calling is so much bigger than that one company. And so for me being of service, but how can you be of service if you don't truly feel free Mm -hmm. to speak up, to not be, to me, the turning point was I am now no longer dependent upon what someone else thinks of me or feels about me. Again, most of that is stories I'm making up in my head anyway, but I'm not dependent on that anymore to be able to speak up. So for me, I know that I have value now as not just what I'm bringing to the table Mm -hmm. from my expertise, but just because I exist. Yeah, exactly. That latter part was where the work had to get Mm -hmm. because the confidence my dad gave me based on like the rule, like you're talking about, the rule is this, you ask, you get, you ask, you get the squeaky wheel gets the grease. He always used to say that. <laughs> you know, then you start internalizing some of these things like, oh, maybe they don't think this of me or, oh, maybe this person. And then that doubt chips away at our confidence. So to me, it really was about my own value as a person that had wow. to overcome. So- so you have a megaphone and you run around and you're like, Hey guys, punctuation, 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 you know, pause, you know, speak up, trust your voice, anything else that you want to give us today. I love it. All these isms, I can't louse isms. <laughs> you're so sweet. Well, I do like the idea of knowing how to stop rambling and get to the point. Oh, Yes. Most of us do ramble and I'm a recovering rambler myself. So what I would add here is to, I love the phrase, be brief, be bright, be done. And if you think about, okay, when, when you notice yourself rambling, this is what I trained myself to do out loud. First of all, I pause and then out loud. And the pause is just a nanosecond. And then I say, and my point is this, but before you pause, you have to realize you're rambling. Or you realize, oh my gosh, I'm getting so off tangent here. Or, I'm, or I mean, I'm getting so off target. 
So I'd say either that's one thing I recommend because then not only are you back on track, but your audience, if they were at all confused or even if they weren't confused, but you say, my point is this, now that's a flagging statement that helps us realize, oh, here's her point. So there's no question what your point was. And then the, the second way to deal with it is simply to pause, gather your thoughts, and then state your point by moving forward. You don't even have to say it out loud, but I personally just somehow find it helpful to say it out loud. Totally. Yeah. Because really it starts with that noticing, right? I could be doing something different. The energy feels off or I don't feel connected. Right. And so, but stopping and then whether you say it out loud or you just gather yourself and figure it out and then move on, it's like so, so important to just stop and move on. Well, obviously our conversation today, it could go on for many, many hours. Um, Karen and I are both (laughs) giggle monsters. I love it so, so much. Can you tell us how to find you, how to find your book, how to learn more about the work you're doing? Yes, absolutely. My website is karenlaus.com and that's laus.com. I have a podcast called Ignite Your Confidence with Karen Laus, as well as a free private Facebook group under the same name, Ignite Your Confidence. So those are some ways to find me, but all my information is on my website. I also hang out on Instagram a lot at Karen Laus Consulting. And the cafe in Berkeley, California, you might find us there chitter chattering away, talking about changing the world, bringing more corporate badasses to the C-suite. I love it. So speaking of that, before we go, do you have any last advice for a woman who's trying to advance in her career, trying to find her voice, really wanting to own her, her corporate badassness and step into a higher level? Any final words of wisdom for them? Yes, I'm going to give you three D's. And this is what, how I change the trajectory of mine. First, you've got to decide what you want. Get clear on what you want. And that's what happened with me in September 2019. I said, I need to stop putting my, my dream of being a speaker on a shelf. And I need to do it. And then you declare it. That's the second D. You tell everybody you know. And in the case of in a corporate situation, to me, declaring would be make your intentions known to the person or people that can help you get there, whether that's mentors and your boss. This is what I want. And what is it going to take? And then the third is to do it, just deliver on it. And what I mean by that is take action. You got to take action and move toward that thing that you're focused on. But the focus is super key. So good. And all three of those Ds, you have given us beautiful examples today and really just shown us through your own leadership how to put this into action. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was fun as always to be with you too. Before you go, I want to invite you to join us inside of Executive Ahead of Time. Executive Ahead of Time is what I call my little army of corporate badasses that are doubling the number of women promoted to the executive suite each and every year worldwide. Inside this group coaching intensive program where you get weekly coaching and guidance from me, you are going to learn how to not only land your next promotion, 
but to have success once you get there. And by success, I mean an actual voice at the table, the ability to step into your true, authentic, corporate badass self and a community of other corporate badasses where we're learning from each other, challenging each other, and stepping in to that next level of leadership. If this sounds exciting to you, I invite you to join us now at www.executiveaheadoftime.com. Once you enroll, you will have lifetime access to over 24 core training modules where I break down step-by-step how to build trust with executive leadership so that you get tapped on the shoulder for opportunities. You'll receive weekly coaching and directed guidance from me, and we'll have roundtable discussions with the other corporate badasses in the group. This is a community like nothing that you have ever experienced. We are all challenging each other. We are stepping up to the plate and we're making opportunities happen for ourselves. Go to executiveaheadoftime.com and join us today.